Hi there, welcome along to another episode of the High Performance Podcast. Before we get going with today's episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to the amazing reaction we had after our previous episode with the Stereophonics frontman Kelly Jones talking about things that he simply has never discussed before and the impact with people was amazing. We had a message um, on Apple Podcasts from Gaz W saying, I've followed the Stereophonics since 1999. That is the best interview with Kelly Jones I have ever heard. And Gaz and Steve and Dan and Phil and Lucy and everyone else who left reviews and rated the podcast, can I just say a huge thanks. It might seem like a small thing for you, but actually for us to keep delivering this content every single week for free, reviews and ratings are so important to us. So if you can take a couple of minutes, wherever you get your podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, it doesn't matter, please rate and review. And it really, really does help us. This is actually episode 28, would you believe? And I was thinking about this the other day. If on average, our guests have spent 20 years learning the things they're sharing on the podcast with you, that means that so far we have shared 560 years worth of learning. How ridiculous is that? But we love doing it and we love the podcast. We also love the fact that we're growing on YouTube as well. Just type in High Performance Podcast on YouTube and you can watch the interviews there as well as listen to them here. And this week, you will want to listen. Please trust me, you might not have heard of this week's guest, but the things he has done are mind-blowing. He's an adventurer who simply believes that the impossible is possible. And this is what you can hear from him today. For everybody else out there who, who feel like that they have no privilege or underprivileged or who feel like they don't have the opportunity. No, man, we create our own opportunity. You just have to work twice harder, maybe. So they, that's a simple message that nothing is impossible as long as you believe it and as long as you want to do it. I'm so excited that you've joined us for this week's episode. A quick reminder that you can find Damien on Instagram at Liquid Thinker. You can follow me at Jake Humphrey. You can find the podcast at High Performance on Instagram. You can also find us on the internet as well. The highperformancepodcast.com is our online home. You can sign up to our newsletter there. Quite simply, this podcast is just learnings for life. But right now, it's time for this week's episode Oh, I, I found this such an inspiring conversation. I hope you do as well. This is one of my favourite episodes. So enjoy this week's High Performance Podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi there, you're listening to the High Performance Podcast, the pod that delves into the minds of some of the most successful artists, visionaries, entrepreneurs and sports people on the planet with just one aim, to unlock the secrets to their success to help you. Now, the prof is with me as ever. Look, Damien, we look to engage people on this podcast and learn from people with a bulletproof mental resilience. And I think today's guest relied on resilience basically for his very survival numerous times yeah definitely jake uh, what i've been reading about our guests today i keep remembering that famous steve job quote that says that remembering you're going to die is actually the best way of avoiding the trap of thinking you've got something to lose 
it's almost like our guest today, you know, he's faced death in lots and lots of different guises, but he's also learned to conquer that fear in so many ways, and it's led him to go on and do greater and greater feats. So I'm really excited to meet him and hear more about that. I join you in your excitement, Damien, because today we talk to Nimsdai Purja, a former Gurkha, a former Special Forces operative, and a man who took on the seemingly impossible and made it possible. So here's the rub, right? There are 14 mountains on the Earth that stand above 8,000 metres. The world record for climbing them stood at eight years. Last year, Nims did it in under seven months. So how did he come alive in what they call the death zone? What tools does he employ to discard negative thoughts? How can we take what looks impossible in our own lives and make it possible? which is exactly what he has done. He's actually detailed his remarkable life and the mission he went on, um, both in the military and in the mountains, in his new book, Beyond Possible. I've read it, Damien's read it. We were exchanging WhatsApp messages that it's one of the most remarkable books we've ever read. I would implore you right now um, to, to order it and get it and read it because it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the pod, Nims Perger. Welcome to High Performance. Thank you so much and so glad to be here with you guys today and uh, yeah. Let's do it then. Let's start with the question we always begin with. What in your mind, Nims, is high performance? Well, I think in my definition is about, you know, somebody as a person, you know, believing in yourself and, and pushing yourself against, you know, what many thought is, is possible. It's about, you know, achieving your, your own new possible. Um, and of course, in order to achieve, you know, those, you know, high performance stuff, you need to have a kind of, you know, like a mindset that is kind of, you know, like designed uh, in order to you know, achieve, you know, this kind of, you know, like, um, you know, greater things. Let's talk then about the mindset, because the book Beyond Possible, um, you start by talking about having a force field of positivity from an early age. You kind of describe it in the book, like you're almost bulletproof against the world because you just really believe in yourself. Now, how did you find that, Nims, at such a young age? Because there are people that on their deathbed have not managed to find a false field of positivity. Where did yours come from? Um, to be completely honest, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I kind of believe that we, we all have that, but, you know, it's about recognising those that they store the strong components that we all have in our life and somebody could be strong in something else and some could be strong in something else but for me was what no one could take away from me was self-belief throughout my life i have worked with so many counterparts you know again when i was in school i had few friends you know who were like senior than me but then when we were uh, we were on actually competing on the on the track and field you know if I had just look at the size of those people that I'm, I'm against on the race, you can probably think, yeah, why you bother even starting the race? But then I believed that I could beat them. And then again, when I was um, going for the special forces selection uh, from the Gurkhas, and just to give you a background, no one else from the Gurkhas had ever made into SBS. It was completely alien because to be working with this SBS, you got to be not only good in land, air and water, but, you know, the, the diving expect, you know, working underwater was, was a completely new world to me. And then people who come from Nepal is a landlocked country. Again, it's, it's basic, it's standard that everybody, including my, my, my colleagues who joined the Gaikas together with me, and even some of my senior, like, corporals and officers say that, Nims, you know, forget about it, it's, it's impossible. But then... 
if you look into detail and in depth of all this is they don't know me. They can only like suggest or they can only say, you know, on, on assumption. But then I as a nims, like, or I as a person, I know I can do it. And, and, and that is the self-belief. Because that's one thing no one can take away from you. Doesn't matter, you know, who you are. Doesn't matter, you know, who, you know, there, there will be person in your life. You know, that could be your mentor as well. Someone who you respect truly. But then again, they don't know you. So it's you who has got that self-belief. And as long as you believe from your chest and you put in 100% into it, you put 100% commitment and it's all there. Nim, she speak quite powerfully about your two rules of life. One is that hope is God. And the second rule is that it's the little things that matter. Now, I understand that that first rule gives you the power to dream such big dreams like scaling these mountains or joining the SBS. But it was also the little things such as when you learn about telling British jokes you could integrate within the SBS culture that's really fascinating. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about those two rules and how they've helped you to live a high-performance life. 100%, buddy. So, like, little things matter, uh, and then it does matter on bigger operation or anything what we do in life. It's not the bigger things that makes the, the, the huge difference. It's about attention in details. And, and just to give you an example, obviously me, as, as, you know, as you can see, you know, I'm from Nepal, I'm brown, and I'm, I'm going on the selection. It's full of pretty much you know, 200, you know, six foot tall, wide looking man. And then in a selection, you say that you got to, you know, you got to stay as a gray man. So you still pass the test, everything, but then you are still undiscovered. As soon as the DS, which is directing stuff, they pick you up, you know, you are in shit because it doesn't matter sometimes. If you make mistake in that big group, you can get away with it. But if, if they can recognize you, you are pretty much messed up anyway. So my thing was, the special forces didn't want me. I wanted to be part of that group. And they don't, they don't, want, they don't have the criteria which is best upon my talent. I have to fit their criteria, which is like, yes, I have to be an amazing operator. I have to have a common sense. I have to be physically fit. I need to operate every time with an unrelenting pursuit of excellence. But above all, I need to have a humility and humor. And as you mentioned over there, I was in selection and I was learning you know, British jokes because the, the sense of humor from Nepal is completely different. And, and I used to go into the, like, you know, into the Google page and I was like, okay, British sense of humor. And I used to type them and I used to kind of, you know, like read five or six and put them in my brain. And, 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 and I used to kind of, you know, like tell them, but it's about how much you want to fit in the group. And, and it is as much like those little details as you got to pay, pay attention. Now, going into the mountain, as you say, like, hope is God. I'm not a really religious person. I don't really believe in, in God. But then I keep saying, you know, hope is God because that's all what we have. Okay, as a human, if you imagine, the, let's say for, for my example, okay, if I'm in SBS, if I'm in a war or, or somewhere else, then... If the bullets flying around and, 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 and when shit hits the fan, and if you are not like hoping that you're going to win this war, that's like you, you get, give up the battle already. And exactly when you're climbing in the mountain, sometimes, you know, I was climbing at, at 75 kilometers per hour wind speed. It's so freezing cold. But then if you just give up your hope that you're going to come alive from these big mountains, you're going to die. Because, you know, hope is, is, is what it keeps us motivated. Hope is what it keeps us alive, you know. And, and that's what we have as a human. It sounds to me, Nims, like 
your hope might one day be misplaced or you might believe that you can do something and actually you can't do it. But it almost feels like the one thing that you're not going to do is ever believe that you can't because it, it, it feels like you don't see the benefit of believing that you can't do something. Yeah, why? And, and, and if you think like you can't do something, why bother even talking about it? And then I believe, you know, there is 8 billion population in Earth and every one of us has got different talent. Like you, Jake, you got different talent to me. But what you're doing right now is you're nailing that. And then that's why you are good at doing what you do now, because you are finding those details and we all have. But you just have to find, you know, what you are good at. But equally, you also have to have a love for what you do. Because there's no point, you know, like if you don't love doing something else and if you're doing for force or just for the sake of doing it, you're not going to be at top level. So, yes, you got to love what you do. Second, if you love what you're going to do, of course, you got to work hard for it. You got to, again, commit. There will be so much like negative in stuff, but then you got to think positive about everything. And, and just to give an example, I was on Everest in 2017. I was still in Special Forces and I was trying to break the world record for climbing in Everest, Lhotse and Makalu, which is the first, fourth and fifth highest mountain. And in process of doing that, when I went to Lhotse, my oxygen were stolen. So just to give an example, being oxygen stolen at Camfo at the death zone is it's a crime. You work so hard, you have to check the weather forecast, you have to take those oxygen to, to, to put it over there, it's a mission. And, and literally when you went over there and, and your, your oxygen is not there, it is it gonna drown you. And, and many people will just get angry and they will just like blame on other people and they leave. But what I thought was, okay, Nims, come on, come on, there must be something. And what I said was, okay, my oxygen was probably used for some emergency situation. Maybe someone is alive because it was, you know, somebody used it for rescue. That could be completely lie. But then I told my brain to believe in that positive thing. And I was happy, okay, you know, somebody's alive maybe. It's all about, you know, how you, you cope with the situation. It's about, you know, like, yeah, nothing is impossible. You just have to think outside the box sometimes. That leads on to a theme, Nims, about a really interesting topic that we've seen come up on this podcast repeatedly that... I know really intrigues both Jake and I, which is around this frames of reference. And what I mean by that is, I know that when you were growing up in Nepal, your dream was to join the Gurkhas and you already had older brothers that were in that particular group. So I can see how that became an aspiration for you to want to join them. But like you mentioned, there were no Gurkhas that had ever served in the SBS or this record of climbing the world's highest mountains uh, in seven months and the record had stood at doing that in eight years. Where do you learn to dream so big for things like that that are not necessarily within your own frame of reference? Well, I don't have the exact answer for that, but for who I am, you know, if I put my hands off my feet in, into something else, I want to, to be the best of that. For example, I joined the British military with the Gaikas, but what is the best of the British military? It is UK Special Forces. There is nothing beyond that. That is the, the ultimate force we have in, a, in, in the world. So, and I wanted to be part of that elite group. And then, of course, serving with them after 10 years and coming with this project, you know, that, that no one could have even imagined this. I, I happened to imagine that. And I felt like, okay, since I started climbing mountains anyway, why can't I come and, and you know, completely do this? So... Being brutally honest, it's not ego or something else. If I do something, I think I'll, and I thrive for the best. 
otherwise I may not probably don't bother doing it, you know. So I think that's who I am. Um, and I think every individual should be like that. We all have our you know, strength and weakness. Don't just do, sake for, you know, do stuff for the sake of doing it. If you just want to read the book just for the sake of reading it, what are you going to get it? All the students, all the youngsters, if you, if you are reading something else, you, you learn for the, for the lesson, you learn for the intelligence, you learn for the more knowledge. That's what your aim should be. Your aim should not be finishing the book. So it is a completely different mindset. Similar, but similar, similar, different, I guess. But where did you develop that, though, Nims? I'm not going to lie. I think I had this, you know, since I was a I was kid. For example, I was, um, I was in the hostel. We're not allowed to leave the compound and all. And I wanted to join the Gurkhas. And uh, it's a really tough selection. You know, every year, 32,000, you know, applicants between age 18 and a half and 21 applies for the British Gurkhas. It's a huge selection. And to be in one of those, you got to work hard. And I realized, like... I cannot say that, okay, I didn't have time to train. I cannot say that uh, I was in the, in, in the hostel in this boarding school and then my teachers doesn't allow me, but I have to come with my solution. So what I used to do was I used to wake up at one o'clock and in Nepal, you don't have any, any tools like that. So I used to sew a metal rods in my socks to make it heavier. And I just used to run and then I used to come back in my hostel about like six o'clock and I pretend I was, I was sleeping. No one would know this. Wow. But then I was, I always felt like if you wanted to be part of... How old are you at that point, Nim? I was 15. Wow. <laughs> That's mad. I mean, most 15-year-olds are just lying in bed all day and you can't get them away from the computer games. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that was, that was me, brother. So, um, again, even with the special forces selection, when people say, you know, you can't do it, but it's, it's not about that. I was so respectful with the, with the UK special forces. I used to hear only the rumour. It's like, oh, Nims is like a proper James Bond stuff, you know? Yeah, all this kind of rumour. And I had never seen special forces, so it was like a god to me. And in order to do that, my training regime was extreme. I have never trained like that in my life because I was going to unknown. And, and for unknown, I have to keep 100%. And my training regime was, again, I used to wake up at one o'clock in the morning, carry like 80 pounds. I used to tab to the school and I used to do normal physical training with the military boys at seven o'clock. Then I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was building an instructor finisher. So it was full day labor work at, at the Royal Engineers School in Chatham. In the evening, I used to run back again, clean fatigue. Then I used to go to the gym, cycle 64 miles. Then I'm not a good swimmer because, you know, we never had swimming pool in Nepal. So, but then still, you know, SBS, I felt like you have to be good in water. So I used to do freestyle in, in 25 meter lane and I used to do 100 of those. And by the time I was home, it will be 10 o'clock. Can I ask you a very specific question about the details of that then, Nims? That... On those mornings when it was cold and dark outside and maybe your body was aching and you just felt tired and exhausted and you could have found a million reasons to stay in bed. What was it that got you out of bed, that got you to take that first step out of your comfort zone and go into that world of pain or discomfort? I always believe that if you want to be the best in the world, you shouldn't have any excuses. And I always believe that, you know, and excuses are for losers. You know, have you heard any person who has won make any excuses? No. And I didn't want to fall in that category. That is as simple as that, you know. Even maybe when I, when I, when I fail to, you know, summit a mountain, I will probably come with the excuses. But then I made that excuses because I failed it. And I don't want to fall in that category. You lose, you lose. So it's very simple for me. That feeds into something that I've noticed in your book, that... 
One of the things you seem to do, Nims, is that when you set off on these impossible missions, you almost download all the excuses or all the problems that are likely to stop you before you then start working out solutions to it. Is that a very deliberate technique you use? Yeah, I think what I do is, you know, we, like we all have in, in life, you know, there will be like hundreds of problems. And, and I had like thousands or millions of problems when I was doing this project last year. Of course, you know, like the emotional challenge of leaving the special forces and having no job, you know, no job security, you know, remortgaging your house, then literally you are going to Nepal. And then when you, you flew from London Heathrow, you had only 5% of the funding. There was enormous challenge. But what I'm good at doing is, if we all worry about the problems, there will be no solutions. Yes, problems are there, but what we need to do is, or what I do is, I focus on what is priority one right now. For example, on the mountains, I got hundreds of problems on my shoulder, but then if I start thinking about it and if I don't put my step where it needs to be and if I'm not focusing on my, my climb, there's no point. Everything is like out of equation because you are not even doing that. So I live in the moment. I do exactly what is absolutely necessary. And then the biggest thing what I also do is I don't worry about how I'm doing I worry about what I'm doing right now. And my focus is like, it's a, it's a really pinpoint, razor sharp, you know, focus. So, so that's how I do it. So how do you marry up razor sharp focus of one foot in front of the other, 5,000 metres off the floor, halfway up a mountain, with knowing that you're going in the right direction for the bigger picture? Because that's the balance that I think people struggle with. They can focus on the, on the minute, but they don't see the big, or they focus on the big and they, they don't deal with what's in front of them. Well, I think what I do is, of course, when you climb on these bigger mountains, not every step is like that. You will have some sort of, you know, like when you're resting, you've got a bit of time. And if you come with some, some idea, you just, you just write it down. And then I think even when you are like going out for a long run, let's say you're trying to beat a, a marathon world record, you're not going to be focusing on every step for two hours. You know, at some point your, your mind's going to wander around, but it's okay. It's okay to have, to have that. But then you also be mindful of, you know, like, okay, I'm here for the world record. I need to strike at this pace. But then those mindset could be something else. And sometimes I used to vision like, okay, Nims, there is all this painful, this like so much suffering, but then what? What's going to happen when you finish the project? You can still kind of, you know, look yourself through this dark tunnel and you can see yourself on the other side. And that's what it gives you more kind of, you know, power. Um, and as I mentioned on the book, like, I had a really good purpose that I believed why I needed to do this project. And being completely honest, if it was for myself and if it was for the name and fame, I would have never been successful in this project. It was, you know, that, that huge... You know, you needed something bigger than this. So when I left my job, my mom even told me, you know, she's very close to, to me. She's my inspiration. And she said, oh, Nims, because, you know, you are sending money every, every month and uh, we, we are a burden to you. But I said to, to her, no, mom, because this project is way bigger than me, our family and all. And if I can sacrifice this for the bigger reason, which I absolutely believed in, I think I can do it. There's a chance. And, and the reason was, yes, I love the mountaineering. I love the challenge. But more than that, I wanted to show the world in my way that nothing is impossible. I wanted to raise the name of the Nepalese climbers. And equally, I want to raise the awareness about, you know, you know climate change and sustainable environment. So, and this, these were the core, core pillars. But 
when I say core pillars, these are the, the bigger picture. But then inside that, there is also layer because you know, all these pillars cannot always keep you going. Then I used to think, okay, I cannot keep up because I'm, I represent the best in the world, the UK Special Forces. I have no rights to ruin their reputation by coming out loud and be a joker. Then I used to think, okay, I'm a Gurkha now. Then I used to think, okay, I represent Nepalese climbing community. Then it goes into the circle and the cycle of everything else. So, yeah. Incredible stories. I think it's important, Nims, though, to just pull up on what you mentioned there about giving up your job, having no money, starting this challenge with only 5% of the funds that you needed to complete it. Because there will be people listening to this who all dream about the impossible dream of doing something they've always wanted to do but there's always a reason to not do it the timing's not right I don't have the money I've just had children I can't leave my job what's your advice for those people Jake I will give you a solid example you know I had a friend from you know special forces he's an officer I respect him because he's, he's smarter in the world he's clever than me you know he, he went to like you know this gucci you know university post university and all that and he has a brain of 10 men but then he told me nims why this year because you know you don't even have the funding why don't you prepare so well and you got another year and then you can probably raise the funding you have time why we need to rush and then imagine if i have listened to that this is all the whole 2020s pandemic with covid 19 that's one example but then this wasn't my principle my principle was in everything what we do in life, you should never think about the second options. I'll give you an example, okay? If you say that you're gonna run a complete marathon and if you're already thinking about giving up in like halfway, you're gonna give up. You don't have to think about giving up. If you can't do it, you can give up. It's just there, it's in your pocket. You just give up. You don't have to already plan to, to give up, you know what I mean? So I used to say, why? Why refer to second options when you can plan on the, on the first option? And going into second option is always easier. It's always easier, but then it's easier doesn't mean it's right. So that's what's kind of, you know, like my, my thought process. But then a key message here is, is, Jake, you know, if you look where I came from, you know, a really poor Nepalese background. We used to live in, you know, in this room where we had like chicken upstairs, you know. So there were like chicken farming, or you know, and then having no flip-flops to then joining the Gurkhas. I failed my first attempt in the Gurkhas, but second time I made it through. Then going into special forces, you know, like driving submarines, doing some of the, the craziest stuff that people can't even imagine. You know, I know what I've done and, and probably few people know, but then even from that to go and, and, and climb all these 14 highest mountains in the world that no one has ever imagined and, 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 and who I am now, I would like to say I'm pretty successful, but then looking back, I had nothing. I was underprivileged, you know, I had no like opportunities, but then I created opportunities. So for everybody else out there who, who feel like that they have no privilege or underprivileged or who feel like they don't have the opportunity, no man, we create our own opportunity. You just have to work twice harder maybe. So they, that's a simple message that nothing is impossible as long as you believe it and as long as you want to do it. So can I ask you about that then, Nims, and that phrase that you use repeatedly, I would rather die than be considered as a coward, because that to me is a really intriguing statement. As we said in the introduction, I think that facing death means that you realise you've got nothing to lose and that if you're not afraid of death, you're then prepared to gamble and maybe risk big. Yes, and I think it's about the, the mindset, you know. 
And then my mindset is is completely different. I think we should have it. So when I joined the Gurkhas, the Gurkhas is known as the bravest of the bravest in the world. We have such a huge reputation with the crown in the country. A lot of British people respect and support us. But then that image didn't come easily. Thousands of people have given their life for that. Thousands of people have sacrificed a lot for that. And who I am as Nims Dai to ruin that reputation? If I can maintain their reputation, I would, I, I would just rather live. And, and, and the Gerta motto is, you know, it's better to, you know, die than to be a coward. And I 100% believe in that. And, and I 100% live with it. You can see how much I, I feel about it. It's in my chest. So, you know, if I have to give my life for somebody else in the world, it means nothing. Because I, you know, that is my God. But this is who I am. <laughs> so I get that identity of being a Gurkha and having that mindset. But how did you balance that with the identity of also being a husband of a son? Because there was that really fascinating decision that you made where you spoke about your parents were sick and elderly and it was your responsibility to care for them. And yet at the same time, you chose to walk away from the pension and the security of a life in the special forces to go and pursue your dream of climbing these mountains. So how did you square those two identities and make the kinds of decisions to make a sacrifice that would also affect your parents or your wife as well? Well, at the end of the day, you know, like, I was, I was first a Gurkha rather than I was, I was a husband before. I married my wife later. I mean, maybe it sounds a bit rude to the other people, but then equally... My wife would not be happy if I'm on the, on the ward running away from the bullets and then say, somebody say, oh, your husband was so coward that, you know, he leave his man and, and then he, he run away from the battle. You know, it's kind of, you know, like compliment each other. So, you know, you come from this family and, and nobody want to hear that. So that is the brutal honesty. As long as it's, a, you know, there's honesty and, and there's no, like, you know, lie in that and there's a good purpose, it's very simple. There's a story you tell in your book about when you're looking for landmines and bombs. Yeah. This story, it just I couldn't believe it. So you're looking for landmines and bombs. You're being very particular and careful. So one of your superiors asks if you're scared. You decide to show you're not scared by running around a room where there might be landmines. Mate, yes. But I see, I struggle with that, Nims, because, like, do you not suffer with fear? Mate, you know, I do have a fear, buddy. We all have a fear, but it's all balanced, you know? You know, I'm, I'm doing that job for a purpose. You know, I'm, we are clearing the compound for you know, Royal Marines 40 Commando. And if I haven't done my job properly, as in we, it's my fault, but then it will go to the Gurkhas. And as I said, that reputation wasn't mine. I didn't build that reputation to destroy it just because I wasn't doing my job properly or if, because some commander is asking me to rush in the job. And I said, look, you know, brother, I can't Skype on this one because... At the end of the day, it's not your and my reputation. It's, it's the whole unit. And look, if you think I'm scared of doing this one, you know what? Don't even bother. I threw my valon away and I just walked around. Just to prove your point, I'm not scared. I'm just doing my tasks properly, which everybody should have done it. And, and, but this is me. What a story, Damien. I think it's incredible, Jake. I think what really intrigues me is that you seem to have this sense of, of identity nims with any group that you join and that you almost suffuse your ego into that group identity. So even that story there you're telling about, about you were representing the Gurkhas or the SBS or Nepal in a really powerful way. So how much inspiration does that sense of identity give you when you're faced with real adversity? I know you mentioned a bit earlier, but 
when you're in the death zone of a, on a mountain and your oxygen's gone missing and you're feeling exhausted, where do you go to in your mind to get through that next stage? Well, rule number one, I always think that there's always a way out, you know? You know, if, if you have been serving with the Special Forces, you know, from my background, you know, we have operated in a really stressful environment, you know, but then your decision has to be always on the spot. Because if you do something wrong, it could have a huge geopolitical effect. It's just because you as a member of UKSF didn't, you know, manage to do that. That's why it's so, so important that you got, you know, the, the selection right. That's why it's a six-month selection and all that. But then going into the mountains when I have all these problems, who doesn't have problem in life, brother? You have, you know, Jake has, we all have, but then... We should never be phased away by it, you know. We should be excited about how we're going to solve about that, you know. And that's the excitement. And as long as you keep that positive mindset and you feel like you can overcome that problems, you are all, all, already there in winning the battle. So, Nims, look, we're talking about your high-performance mindset. And I'm sure that throughout life, as you travel around and you have seen the world and you've coexisted with so many different types of people, you will see people who look for excuses, don't take responsibility search for the path of least resistance, don't live the life they want because they're waiting for the perfect moment to do it. Do you almost feel like your eyes have been opened to how all of us could live, how all of us could be? 100%. And uh, as I said earlier, buddy, we all have our strength and weakness, you know. It, look, if, if I try to go for a like modeling career and all that, I can't be best at that. Or if I want to be like... I'm a, not sure, Lens. Oh. <laughs> Just to give you another example, if I want to be like you know, Mr. Bean, like, or as good as him as a, as a, as a, as a comedian, I, I don't have that. And I, can't, I cannot just dream on being somebody else. But then what I can dream about is just being myself, what I'm good at. We all have talent. But how do people find what they're good at, Nims? What's the route to working out what their purpose is? Classic example, buddy. I first wore crampons or started climbing when I was 29 years old. Before that, I didn't even know about climbing. I didn't even like, I had never trekked in my life. And where I am now, you know, honestly, I'm one in eight billion people who did this thing. I'm there. But the example there is not about me, but it's about there's nothing or there's never too late to start anything new. We always have to try something new. And, and gone are those days where, you know, you work in one job and then you feel like, okay, if I leave this job or if, this, if I leave this work, I'm going to be a disaster. No, there's more to the life, you know. If, if you don't like it, you know, keep going and trying different things else. You could be good at, you know, something else, which probably you will find out once you try it. Without trying, how are you going to find out? So, you know, never be scared of trying new things. So what's your process now that you've been in the Gurkhas, you've been in the Special Forces, you have set a world record that it's going to be a real challenge for anyone to compete with. What's your process now for working out what's next for you? You know what? There's always bigger things. There's always like, you know, new imagination. Like, for example, when the first human thought about going to the moon, people laughed about it. Now, you know, since, you know, I think it's, uh, it's Apollo 11, since that went over there, now people are thinking of going in Mars and even in another star and all that. So that imagination gives, you know, or open the door to many things. So for me now, I'm getting into speed flying, which is like a, another version of paragliding, but it's really small canopy. It's super fast. It's dynamic. You can do all the battle rolls, you know, like, yeah, you can do all acro moves and all that. So I'm trying to get good at it so I can not only climb the mountains, but I can fly from there. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know what, Damien? Nims reminds me of the quote you put on your Instagram recently, Damien. You put up a picture and it said, the light bulb wasn't invented because people improved the candle. It's about thinking absolutely outside the box. And I think almost all of us, probably me included, probably you included, Nims definitely not included in this, is that we all operate within a very small but invisible box and we don't even realise that we're being held back by that box, do we? Absolutely. So a question that really intrigues me, Nims, where do you go to dream? I mean, it's easy to say that everyone should have dreams or that we should go out and find what we're good at. But how do you go about dreaming the dreams that you've done and translated into reality? And I think it's very simple as well. I mean, if you're doing something that you love, you just have to go top level. You know, like, you know, why, why you bother doing something else if you're not aiming to be the best version of you? And it's not about, you know, for me, I used to compete before. And I have to be like first in everything before or I at least try to do that. But now I compete against myself. I just wanted to be better than who I was yesterday. And as long as I achieve my new possible, I'm happy. So I think it's very simple, it's basic, but then you know, even to achieve your new possible, you've got to give 100%. Oh, it's so inspiring, isn't it, Damien? I mean, whether you want to host a podcast, be a teacher, drive a bus or, or be a gardener or be in the special forces, it, it's, that's not the issue. The issue is be the very best you can be. Exactly, and, and you, you give an example there, like if you are being a gardener and then... If you don't win to the bed after working a full day in your garden and just say, yes, you know, Nims Dai, you get 100% effort in, in gardening today and you can sleep in peace, then that's job done. But if you feel like, oh, I didn't do that properly over there on that path, I left it, I, I was lazy and all, and that's not 100%. So, and there's no satisfaction in that. So what do you do to review them? So say when you were on the mountain and you've done a hard day's climbing, how do you go about reviewing that day? So checking in with yourself to know that you've given 100%. So you will know it in your chest, buddy. And, and that's the whole thing about, you know, this, this project, you know, which I have written in, in the book Beyond Possible. It's about not trying to satisfy anybody else, but it's about the self-satisfaction. For example, that rescue I did in 2016, when I wasn't even meant to be climbing Everest, I was, I was climbing Everest in my, in my tour between in Afghanistan and all, it was like completely under radar Everest expedition. I rescued that girl and, um, and yeah, of course now she's alive. But then from that point, what I thought about was like, okay, in special forces, when we go out on a mission, we always do a debrief more about what went wrong and what we could do in order to be a better operator. From that expedition, I was like, okay, even though I wanted to climb Everest without oxygen, it's not about that. I just saved someone's life. And I'm so fast when I got oxygen from 8,000 meters. So I take oxygen from Camp 4, which is the highest camp in any mountains. And, 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 and the, the decision-making process was, if I have that, doesn't matter if she's at 8,500 or 8,600, I can give my oxygen and I can save someone's life. So that was the thought process. And then 
let's say just for my ego process or so, something else, I have done completely different. But then when I went to the bed and I felt like, oh, I wish I could have done that. Then there's no satisfaction. You know, that, will, that will keep digging you. And also equally, let's say, you try to do a, a best like, you know, like a mile and a half run or, or a full marathon. But then at some point, if you're just chilling out, then when you go back and you say, okay, my timing was that, but I could have done more. So there's always regret. But then if you had given 100%, nothing left, you'll be like, oh, that's it. I had nothing left there. And, and that's the satisfaction you get, I guess. And there'll be people, Nims, listening to this, like me, feeling absolutely inspired by you. The fact that you take... responsibility for everything the fact that you think big the fact that you know the only thing that restricts you is your power to dream and believe what happens if they listen to this podcast they think right yep that's it I'm going to do it they walk out the room and someone says something that knocks them back or tells them they can't or brings negativity into their world how do you deal with that because there's no way that you can be the first ever Gurkha in the SBS or the first man to climb mountains as you have done in the time you have done without loads of people around you saying you can't do it. The simple answer here is always be true to yourself. You can lie the whole world, but you will never be able to lie yourself. So for example, if I stay here now and I say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go and do this like run, 10 kilometer run. I haven't said anybody else, I haven't announced it, but then if I don't wake up and if I don't do it, just because it's raining and all, that's not you being true to yourself. It's about self-discipline. And that's why I keep saying, you know, discipline is, is not good enough to be, to be ultimate. You need to be self-disciplined to be number one. So do other people's opinions of you matter? May if you try to please the whole world... I give you 100% guaranteed that you will never be able to please all of them and not even yourself. Just be true to yourself. Do what you think is right, what you believe is right. And as long as you can have that hand in your chest and said, okay, that's what I believed and that, that's what I did, that's job done. It's very simple. Who has like ever pleased the world? Not even Muhammad Ali, brother. Not even Usain Bolt. Not even like in Albert Einstein. There were always some like these negative haters, you know, there were always people who come in on the back. But you know what? That's also a good thing because that makes you push further. So just take that into positive energy, crack on and, and do what you need to do. What's difficult at the moment though, Nims, is that with social media, people are being judged all the time. If you go onto Instagram or go onto Twitter, people are sharing their opinion of you. And what is the phrase? Um, comparison is the thief of joy we're all comparing ourselves to other people we're we're being judged by other people all the time how do we stop being a society that does things for the wrong reasons for external validation you are absolutely bobon you know like again we all are different we are human okay if you are one one of those person that you got to like say okay i'm going to be number one then then learn from michael jordan have you seen how much work he did no one has seen that. He worked so hard and he did so much in order to be the number one. That's one attitude. But like me, for people like me, I was like, yeah, you can say whatever it is, brother. But your opinion doesn't matter. What I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to be the better version of myself. I'm trying to be the best version of myself. I'm not trying to be the world handsome man. I'm not trying to be the world's, I don't know. Wherever you go in the world, you always find someone stronger Someone better than you at something else. Someone is smarter than you at something else. Someone, yeah. But then if you try to chase all of them, you will lose yourself. It's not about getting lost in this bubble. 
It's about finding your true principle. You believe in that and it's about you. Because at the end of the day, no one can be happy for you if you're not happy. So Nims, can I ask a question? That given how infectious and passionate you are about this message of being yourself, how did you go about managing to be the grey man in the SBS, the guy that can blend into the background that they were looking for? I could never be a grey man because obviously, you see, brown, handsome guy here. And uh, coming from Nepal, you can get ping from miles away, man. <laughs> you know, like, if you make mistake, like, hey, you. It's yeah, so, like straight away, okay, weapon in, over your head and start running around the trees. So, yeah, it was pretty tough, you know, for me. But then equally, when I went to, like, different, you know, operational zone, um, mostly, you know, like in Afghanistan and, you know, like all those countries, I could kind of blend in well as well. So we all have an advantage and disadvantage. It's about, you know, making them use to your advantage whenever it is. And how often, Nims, do you have to catch yourself because you're not giving 100% or you're not being positive or you're having a negative thought about someone else's achievement or you're comparing what you've done to somebody else? Because when we talk like this... I can imagine people listening to this pod thinking, oh, this guy's perfect, man. He's got it absolutely nailed. Mate, 100%. You know, you always, you know, have a bit of a you know, doubt in yourself. Mate, we are human. You know, we'll get angry as well. Sometimes, you know, people come in on whatever it is. And those are the people literally who has never been on the mountains and they complain from the decks. And then you get angry, but then you, you got to think from the wider perspective. Has he even tried doing what you have done? No. Has he been in, in the arena? No. So then that doesn't matter. You know, if you try to, like, again, listen to everybody else and try to please everybody else, you'll be a very sad person, guys. So just do what you feel is right, you know, live your own life, be happy. And, and I keep saying now, you know, for us, and gone are those days where we used to think about, yeah, you know, all this race and all. But now, you know, I'm, I'm moving the topic here, Jack, you know, which is really close to me. I, I really believe that, you know, there's one race in the world. It's a human race. So when you look at even my project, I never took the flag of Nepal. I never took the flag of, you know, Great Britain. Even I was from the special, you know, forces and, and UK, you know, all that. It was pure for the human endeavor. And then I think people need to think from the bigger perspective. And, and if people are open to the ideas, I think we, we're going to have much more healthier and happier world. In 50 years' time, or whenever it is, when you're on your deathbed, what do you want people to describe your impact? What do you want them to say it's been? I hope people will, will describe me as, you know, through, through what I have done, people can, you know, imagine the impossible. For me, if you think, you know, from a little village boy with no flip-flops to where I am now, I didn't even thought about this as me as well. But then, you know, it, it happened. But then there is a process, and, and the process is in hard work, dedication, commitment, believe in your dream, be positive, and all that kind of, you know, like, you know, messages out there. And uh, I hope, you know, people will read this book and can relate, you know, in their day-to-day -day life. Because, as you said, you know, Jack and Demian, the book is not about climbing the mountains. It's about people can relate in their day-to-day -day life. You know, we all have our own mountains to climb. We all have millions of problems, but how we deal with them. There will always be negative, you know, expect of the tax, whatever you are doing it, but how you make that positive. And it's all about, you know, like 
achieving your new possible. And if you're listening to this conversation and you haven't been compelled to do it yet, um, Beyond Possible is Nim's book and um, I suggest you buy it as soon as possible. But don't disappear just yet because we're now going to ask Nim's our quickfire questions, which we finish every interview with Nim's. So um, I'm going to start with the three non-negotiables that people around you have to buy into. What are the three things they have to bring to the table to be part of your crew? I don't accept excuses. You know, we all make mistake. To make mistake is fine, but as long as you, if you keep repeating that mistake, papo ma mercy. The the second thing is, you know, we all have you know different talents and all, but then you got to give one hundred percent to now. And 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 third thing, if if they are part of my team or if I'm their team, it has to be part of the family. And it's it's one mission, it's one goal. And then if me as a leader, if I make my team feel like that, I'm not good enough. Because leaders don't do that. There has to be something for every team members. And then this is why, you know, the, the, the project became so successful because all my team members managed to climb in you know, new mountains with me. Normally what people would do is like, okay, I'm going to go into this mountain. I'm going to have someone who has climbed this mountain because he would know the route. He would know how long it's going to take. He would know where the dangers are, etc. But I didn't do that. I said, like, okay, you haven't climbed that mountain, you're going to come and climb that mountain with me. And I haven't climbed that mountain either because it was something for them as well. And Jake, you know, this kind of you know, nature and the, and, and the project, you know, doesn't come or become successful without the hard work of, of a team. It's a team effort, you know, not literally from the guys who, are, who, who had the boots on the ground, but also at the back, you know, my wife, you know, and, and people who, who supported me, all these sponsors and all. And that's why I said, you know, this was a people's project. It wasn't my project. So, yeah, I wanted to mention that. What advice would you give a teenage Nims growing up in Nepal, just starting out on your journey? Nothing is impossible. It's a very simple message and uh, keep dreaming. And hopefully, you know, I will have more opportunity to, to make that positive impact on, on many lives. So how important is legacy to you? Uh, it is important, buddy, I think, of course. What do you want your legacy to be? Man, I really don't know. I don't have answer because at the moment, man, I'm still like 37-year-old young fella and I got so much to live. I got so much to do in this world. So, uh, you know, again, at the, you know, when you look into my past life, it was all about being the best soldier in the planet and now I'm doing something else and, and that could be something else. So I think time will tell and, and it's not up to me to, to say that, but hey. And finally, Nims. What is your one golden rule for living a high-performance life? Wow, that's a very tough question. I think never give up, never have excuses. Commit, give 100% to now, have a positive mindset and keep believing. Nims, I think the two of us have absolutely loved that conversation. Thank you so much. You know what, you have got a real energy about you and what I love is that Everything you're talking about is completely authentic because you've been there, you've done it, you clearly absolutely believe it. And the nicest thing about it all is that your sort of secret superpower isn't a superpower at all. It's just absolute rock solid belief in your own abilities to control the life that you want to live. And absolutely anyone can do that. In your eyes, anyone can live a high-performance life, can't they? 100%. And, and as I keep saying, May, um, it's not about doing the bigger things. It's about doing the basics right all the time. And if you don't, your basics of, you know, like getting up in the morning at the time you have set up the alarm and 
going out of the door. Forget about running 10 miles or 20 miles. So it's about those little things. It's about the basics, you know. And, and we keep saying that in, in special forces world that basics done well all the time. And that's what it makes you the best. There you go. Basics done well all the time makes you the best. It's the perfect way to leave it. Um, and you know what? I can't wait to see what the next uh, the next Nims Purger adventure is because I'm sure it's going to be an interesting one. Um, if you've been enjoying this, you can follow Nims um, on Instagram, of course. Search for him there. Um, follow his journey. And on behalf of all of us at the High Performance Podcast, Nims Purger, thank you so much for your time. May it's been an absolute honour, and you know, thank you so much for having me here uh, today, gents, and uh, thanks for allowing me to to tell this story uh, because you know I I truly believe that. Hopefully, you know, it will change you know, someone's life. Even if you know, it changes you know, the life of one people, job done. Damien. Jake. I think if there's a conversation that sums up not just um, what we're trying to achieve with high performance, but also that sums up what we've heard from so many of our high achievers, that conversation with Nims is absolutely it. And for me, the most exciting part is that he just knows that the secret is in your own brain. It's in your own mind. And if therefore, if he can do it, anyone can do it. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. I thought without any prompting, I think his messages around always hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst or being disciplined, doing the basics really well, being an optimist by nature, you know, listening to yourself, being honest with yourself. I mean, there's just so many powerful messages there that we're not all going to climb mountains, but I think that was his point. It's about whatever we do, whether we're working in the garden or we're being a teacher or we're trying to make a difference in whatever way. We just have to go out there and give our absolute best. I, I thought it was hugely inspiring, Jake. That's exactly the point, isn't it? Because there'll be people going, well, it was great, but I'm not a special forces Gurkha. I'm not a mountaineer. I'm not a Red Bull athlete. Yet that's not the point. The point is whatever your walk of life, you approach it with giving absolutely 100%. Like he said, every single day, giving 100% to the small details is going to move you forward. And too many people are living a life of taking the path of least resistance or kind of thinking, well, next year will be my year. Nims is basically saying, make today your day. Absolutely. And I think on top of that, what he's also advocating is the very idea about complete commitment. You know, whatever you're doing, it's great to plan for the worst and hope for the best but the moment you set foot over that threshold just give it everything and the only person then that you know need to be honest with is yourself at the end of a day and ask yourself did I give it everything or did I make excuses did I try and find a way out of it and I thought that Nims was passing on a hugely inspiring set of instructions that not only is he sharing them with us but the credibility of that this is a man that's living that life as well and demonstrating just how far that mindset can take you. And I think that the great thing about it is it is transferable to absolutely ordinary everyday life. You know, let's take today, for example, we're recording this remotely because Nims is abroad and it's a Tuesday. So I got up, made the kids some breakfast, got them dressed, took them to school. I'll record this podcast with you. I'll make some lunch then I'll spend some time with Harriet, maybe walk the dog this afternoon. What you need to do is give 100% to every one of those seemingly mundane daily tasks so that when you're recording a podcast episode, you're trying to make it the best podcast episode on the planet. When you're spending time with your wife walking the dog, you're trying to make it the most rewarding and engaging half an hour of walking the dog on the planet. It, it can never be a bad 
mental approach, can it? Absolutely. And I think when you take that approach and transfer it to what Nim's message is about, when he's in the death zone on the side of a mountain, you can't be thinking about what could go wrong or thinking too far ahead of us. It's about putting one foot in front of another and making sure that the next step we take is the best step you can make. And then the one after that and the one after that and just focusing on those small one step at a time approach. The cumulative scaffolding effect is where I think real high performance lies. Mate, I was so inspired by that conversation, you know. I was like I feel energized now. I'm now looking at I've got a list that I have on my computer here in my office, right? And it is it's um it's been printed up of all the things that I've got going on. So whether it's BT Sport or the production company or the podcast or the Coral Eye Well and I'm now looking at it going, right, is each of those 100% where it needs to be? <laughs> it's, it is inspiring though, isn't it? Well, let's relate it to another Special Forces soldier, Ant Middleton, that we've had on the podcast, Jake. One of the things that Ant told us is, was that when you go through selection for, for Special Forces, the question they're asking is, would I be happy going to war with the man that I'm standing next to? And I think if you reflect on the effects that talking to Nims has had on us, And we were to ask the question, if I was faced with adversity, would I want him standing there next to me? And the answer is definitely, just because of his infectiousness and that kind of approach. And one of the things that's interesting is he speaks about hope is God. And there's research that says that the last 25 American presidents, the vast majority of them, have been rated on a scale about they're consistently talking about hope. They're the people that are talking about optimism. You know, this idea that tomorrow will be a better day. And I think that that kind of mindset, regardless of the times that we're living in, is never a mindset that's going to go out of fashion. Wonderful. Right. Um, if you've enjoyed that, follow Nims on uh, on Instagram because that's also an inspiring place to go. Um, Damien, thanks so much, mate. Loved it, Jake. Thank you. Damien, we spoke to Nims. He was at home Um we were we were in our houses. He was outside in the garden, um, but he kept leaping up off his chair. He was so full of energy, wasn't he? I've I've started to call everyone brother from that interview because, like, when someone says brother to you, it just I don't know. I just felt like connected to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think um, the Royal Marines use two phrases. Um, they talk about energizers or energy sappers. I know you talk you refer to them as drains or fountains, but. He was definitely an energizer. He was a fountain, you know. Uh, he, 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 I came away from it like you, feeling energized and happy and infused to take on the world. And I love his his overarching philosophy, which is which is not only one of complete positivity. He spoke about the difficult times where he just went to a positive place straight away. But for me, it's like if I said to him, "Right, Nims, fly to the moon tomorrow," I, he would go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it my best, brother." And it's like <laughs> I love why. Like, why not think like that? What is the benefit of thinking any other way? I I just don't see it. Yeah, exactly. I I think this is a big distinction to make. Having a sort of a completely positive attitude doesn't guarantee success, but having a completely negative attitude pretty much does guarantee failure. But should I be a realist though, Damien? Like, do I need to temper it? Because I quite like the thought of actually just thinking that anything's possible. Like getting Matthew McConaughey on the podcast, a realist wouldn't have considered that, but we did. Yeah, I think there's a distinction to be made, isn't it? That I think that we need to be careful about going into the realms of being delusional. But I think the facts that you marry it up with, you start with a what might appear to be an impossible dream and then you start 
going into a pragmatic view of how do I make that happen? How do I move myself one step closer? So you think about the Matthew McConaughey one, like we had the dream of doing it, but then we work backwards to say, how do we get in touch with him? How do we ask him? How do we invite him? How do we explain that we've read his book and we recognise it? So I think start with a big dream and then become pragmatic rather than realistic about how do I now move myself a step closer to it? I think what what is really important as well on these podcasts, and we've spoken about this numerous times, this is not, hey guys, listen to these amazing high achievers to make you feel bad because you've not achieved as much as them. It is, listen to these high achievers and realise that the struggles that you are using to define your life, they have had, but they haven't allowed the struggles to define their life. So we had a great message from PHC98 saying, what an unbelievable interview with Kenny Jones. From the outside, it looked like he lived the perfect life. And Dan Bond said, I love the episode with Kelly Jones because the challenges that he has endured are the same as the challenges that I've had in my own life. And I think it's really important to remind people that you you have to do your best. Yes, challenges and bad times and hard stuff is crap and horrible, but it can't define you. Definitely. And I think this is why... Again, to make that distinction, we're not just talking to people about what they've done. Their achievements are there on the public record that that you can find out what they've done by using different means. I think what we're trying to do is, how did you do it? What were the steps that you took to go on and achieve the success that we know um, is um, that you've already acquired? Mm. And I think that's an important distinction that you're right, that these people are like us. They might start from a different base in terms of talent or experience, but they experience the same emotions, the same difficulties and, and the same challenges. And what we're trying to do is how did you overcome them that we can take mm. away and apply to ourselves? And I also think that comparing yourself to others is is the absolute enemy. Um, and the way I often look at it, right, I think that when I was working with Stephen Gerrard and Frank Lampard um, on BT Sport, right, in the mid-2000s, I was on kids' telly. They were playing for England. So if you'd have plotted that on a graph, there was no doubt about it. In my mind, anyway, they're a lot higher up the graph than me. And then various things happen, and suddenly there we are together. And then they then go off and manage and, you know, do brilliant work in Scotland and the Premier League, and I'm on BT Sport, and maybe we deviate again, and one goes up and one goes down. And you have to sort of just understand that that is how life is. So don't look at someone miles away from you and think, look where they are, look where I am. You think, well, do you know what? This is a hell of a long journey, and it might be that my path is mine, theirs is theirs, maybe we'll meet, maybe we won't, but it doesn't mean that one is worse than the other. We're all on our own journeys. That's an incredibly powerful point, Jake. I think that there was a study done years ago, I think it was after the Sydney Olympics, where they looked at the happiness levels of athletes that had medalled, and they found that athletes that won a bronze medal tended to be happier than athletes that won a silver because those that won a silver compared themselves to the gold and they were like, I, 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 I could have won that. Whereas athletes that won a bronze compared themselves to the, uh, the ones that came forth and were just grateful for what they'd achieved. And I think that comparative thinking can often be really destructive for us. We're all on our own, we're all racing our own race that, you know, we've all got different starting positions, we've got different resources. So I think looking at somebody else and envying them is an unhelpful uh, Trey, I think looking at them and trying to understand what can I learn from them is incredibly helpful. Yeah, and just believe that one day the Joe Rogan graph and the High Performance Podcast graph will meet somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. 
I, I, the amount of people that listen to that pod is amazing. But listen, we all need we all need something to aim for. And I think the, I, I just want to remind people if this is the first time they've listened to this podcast, and I know you feel the same, Damien. We had a message from Sleepy G saying, "What I love about this pod is it, it's about sport, it's about business, but most of all, it's about life, and and that is why we're here." Definitely, yeah. We don't speak to sports people. We speak to people that sometimes work in sport. We don't speak to actors. We speak to people that happen to act. You know, just like Kelly Jones is a person that just happens to be a musician. And I think that's a distinction. It's the people element that's where our real interest lies. Absolutely. You see, you're not a professor. You're just a person that professes (laughs) to know stuff. Listen, mate, as always, I uh, couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much for your hard work this week. And um, yeah, it was a real pleasure, wasn't it? Just to hear the energy that came from Nims Perja. And I can't wait to see what his next challenge is. Definitely. The world is a better place for people like him. And, mm. you know, if you can't find a nice person, be one. And I think he's a great example of that. Love that. Nims die. We're watching carefully. You've inspired the both of us. So thank you for sharing your thoughts with us on the pod. Thank you too to the wonderful Will and the amazing Hannah for their hard work. Of course, it goes without saying that we couldn't have done this without Damien. Thanks as well to Finn Ryan at Rethink Audio for all of his hard work. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.